So we're looking tonight to consider Jesus for confident faith. And so um, as I was starting to do the study, you know, I just realized that by the time we get through the end of this book, you know, and we've been probably sat under studies with Hebrews, but I, but I bet by the time we women who are coming here and are going to be faithful to continue to finish, when we're done with this book, book of Hebrews, we will know um, that we can be confident in Jesus, who really is superior to what we've learned just already, which is that, there, that he is superior to the prophets. He is superior to the angels. And we're going to learn how he is superior to Moses tonight. But not only that, when we're done with this book, we'll know about the warnings against unbelief. I just imagine as we just keep going and going and going, if somebody says something about the book of Hebrews, we're going to like immediately be like, oh yeah, yeah, we sat, we studied, we know, as opposed to just sitting and listening. And it is so cool when you open up the word and you allow the Lord to speak to you. But you know what? When you open up the word and that's when the Lord can speak to you. Uh, you know, it's great. You know, and we often say, even if you don't do your homework, come and sit and glean because there's so much. There's scripture that you can share. And even in that group, if you're sharing that scripture, the Lord's still ministering. And so, but I'll tell you, for those who put that effort in and, and get through the, the homework, have we not learned a lot already? Have we not even seen greater things and just how, who Jesus is and, his, and just how superior he is? So I started to think, and this is what happens. I always, you know, start to think, and my mind usually wanders in about 47 different directions, you know. So i got to try to pull all of those back and see, you know, which way are we going to go, Lord. But I started to think, first of all, we're learning about the, now um, the author is going, to, is going to discuss with them about Moses. So we're going to learn a little bit about Moses and how Jesus is superior to Moses. Why? Because they were looking to maybe go back, right? They were, their, their faith was starting to wander. They were thinking, let's just go back to Moses, to the law. Well, first thing I thought of is, who hasn't seen the Ten Commandments? Right? We've all seen the Ten Commandments. We all seen what Moses has done. And even though that's Hollywood, ladies, you know, we saw, uh, we saw the, the word given to him. We saw that he's taken those people out of Egypt. And for me, this was really cool because I was like, it kind of is touching on some of those little things in, in our study. But um, we saw how Moses was God's chosen to lead the Israelites out of, out of Egypt, even though, um, and, and, into, and out of slavery to freedom. The Hebrew Christians knew Moses. As a matter of fact, they were thinking about, like I said, heading back. Even though they'd already known about Jesus, heard about Jesus, received Jesus. So uh, it made me think to... Right now, I'll ask right now, let's just see. In our American history, let's say, who would we say are the two most famous presidents? And there you go, that's it. Washington and Lincoln, right? Almost everybody said the same exact thing, or the thought was, that's just it. Well, you know what? In their day, I'm guessing to the Hebrews that they all knew of Abraham and Moses. You know, there's a lot of in-betweens there. They could have missed a few studies and a few scroll readings, but they knew Abraham and they knew Moses. And so as, as for, for them to now um, be given Moses and who Moses was, we're, we will definitely see how Jesus is yet superior to that, but how the Lord just made it so real to them who they knew and, and what they knew. So in chapter um, 2, 16, the, the writer reminds them that Jesus gives aid to the seed of Abraham. They could identify with that because 
They actually were the seed of Abraham. And being that seed, they could understand the terms that he was sharing with them. So we're going to start our text in chapter 3. And I imagine the small groups were very, very fruitful. I know that in our small group, we just have, we have such great discussion. And I love how the women share. And then the women, you know, will, will definitely um, show, you know, just share what, when we were kind of discussing that a little bit. And they'll add, oh, you know, the Lord showed me this. And, you know, they'll just, what the Lord has shown them. And that to me is just so encouraging because that means that the work is being done, that there's, that they're showing. But Others can glean from that. And I, we were sharing that even sometimes we'll be down a little bit further and somebody say, oh, you know, and, and back in, you know, with question number three, and it was like, yeah, we're, we're going to move forward. But yeah, that's right. That's right. But the Lord has really spoken. And so, um, as you know, I'm just, I'm just know that, as, that as we do these studies and we sit in those small groups, that is what's so cool. We get to see what the Lord has shown us. And then we get to share what the Lord has shown us. And then we get to share that with others. And and it's always neat because sometimes, you know, as I was uh, um, talking with the sister, she said that, you know, like some ladies go, you know, they have this way. And then somebody else will say that and they'll be like, oh, wow, you know, we never, ever thought about it like that. You know? There we go. Just another way of, of what the Lord is showing us. So as we get into chapter 3, we're going to see um, that there is nothing in the world that is better than Jesus. And I hope tonight as we leave here, we realize, no matter what it is, no matter what you think, that we realize that there is nothing better than Jesus. I don't know what's pulling at the heartstring tonight, ladies, but I hope that your confidence in Jesus will strengthen your faith and, the, and your, that your faith is confident in his finished work, that, de- that work that he did, the death on the cross, and his resurrection. And as we leave, I hope that we just remember nothing. There's nothing better out there. To consider is to think carefully about something, typically making, when making a decision. It's to think about, to contemplate, to reflect on, to examine, to review, um, like words of that are to mull over, uh, to ponder, to deliberate on, to chew on, to meditate on. So tonight we're going to consider Jesus. We're going to do all of those things. And I think that we could probably almost end our study, if that's all we ever did, is just mulled over, chewed on, deliberated on, uh, reviewed, examined Jesus and who he is. But um, for the sake of the study, let's move on. And let's go. So verses 1 through 6, it says, Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of a heavenly calling, consider Jesus, the apostle and high priest of our confession. He was faithful to him who appointed him, as Moses also was in all the house. For he has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses by just so much as the builder of a house has more honor than the house. For every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. Now Moses was faithful in all his house as a servant for a testimony of those things which were to be spoken later. But Christ was faithful as a son over his house whose house we are, if we hold fast to our confidence and the boast of our hope firm until the end. The therefore means that we got to kind of back up just a little because the first thing we read was therefore, um, so, we, so we know where we are in light of what the previous scriptures says. So I'm going to kind of go back a little bit into uh, Hebrews 2, 14 through 17, which I'm certain our sister Noreen touched on. But just to kind of go back so we've got our little stage set, um, uh, it tells us back in, in Hebrews 14, it says that the children, that um, inasmuch as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, Jesus 
had to share in that same, uh, had to share the same, that through the death he might destroy the power of death, and that is the devil, and then release those who through fear of death were of all their lifetime subject to bondage. So he had to become like us. And, and, and fear of death is a huge thing. There's a lot of people afraid of death. You know, I, I know, I think maybe prior to being a believer, I'm certain I was probably afraid of death. And that's that uncertainty. Well, there's one thing certain. You're going to heaven or you're going to hell. You know, and now that I know who I am in Christ, boy, I'm glad I know who I am and where I want to go. But I'll tell you what, but it is scary. And those who are uncertain or who are afraid is pretty much because maybe you don't know. Because if you know you're going to heaven... You know, we might be sad that we're leaving whoever or do all these things, but you're not sad where you're going. You're only looking forward to that. So he had to do that. For indeed, he didn't give angels, uh, he didn't give aid to the angels, but he gave the, the aid to the seed of Abraham, as we kind of just said. He says, therefore, in all things, he had, be, he had to be made like his brethren, that he might be merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make propitiation for our sins. For in him, for in that he himself has suffered, being tempted, he is able to aid those who are tempted. He had to become like us. We're all tempted. Each one of us is tempted in whatever way it is that we go, but we're all tempted. Jesus needed to be tempted so that he can give us that aid. So that when, you know what, when we're tempted, we can't just say, you know, well, the devil made me do it or whatever it is. Oh, it was just there. No, no, no. We can't say, well, Jesus, you don't understand. He does understand. He was tempted. But we have a way of escape. There's always the way of escape. If only we'll take the way. Therefore, we have, uh, so we've been left with the picture that, that uh, Jesus, he's our heavenly high priest. And since this is true, it teaches us something about who we are and what are we. We're sinners saved by grace. That's all we are is sinners saved by grace. Moses was not sinless um, as Jesus, uh, Jesus was. He was sinless. But Moses was faithful, and he obeyed God's, he obeyed God's will. And we know that in Numbers 12, 7. Um, you know, Moses was, was primarily the prophet of the law, while Jesus is the messenger of God's grace. And we, once again, that's in John 1, 17. This should keep us from being so discouraged, as these Hebrew Christians were. They were very discouraged people. They were looking to go back. We don't need to be discouraged. Because we know who we are in Jesus. Um, I always believe that, you know, the, what are the th- three things that they say we need in life? Food, which includes water, clothing, and shelter, right? Really, that's all we really, really need to, su- to sustain us in life. But you know what? We have a spiritual life. And so, you know, I started to think of that. And I don't, you know, when I was doing this, it's like, you know, you know why, what is it that we need? What do we need? And so what we need is t- to hear from God on a way to God. And that's really what started to speak to my heart. We need a word from God, and we need a way to God. We need to hear from God so that we know what he is like and what his purposes are for the world and what he requires of us. And we need a way to God because to be cut off from him in death would be darkness, misery, torment. And that's, that's, where we, that's what they have. That's what we have. We're going to heaven or we're not going to heaven. Um, you know, if you know the word of God, if you, you know, what does the Lord require? But to do justly, 
and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. That's just one little small requirement. That's all, you know, but knowing the word of God allows us to know the word of God. So we have these two great needs. We want, we need to hear from him. We need to go to him. We need revelation from him and we need to be, have reconciliation with him. Hebrews 3, 1 says to these Christians, therefore, holy brethren, partakers of this heavenly calling, consider Jesus, the apostle and the high priest of our confession. We need that word. Christians are people who we think, who have heard the word, and they believe in this holy calling. Therefore, they're partakers, they're sharers in it. Holy brethren, uh, you know, and so automatically I'm thinking, you know, well, if we're believers, if we're, you know, we're calling them holy brethren, which means they they were these believers, um, wouldn't we just think automatically that, yeah, of course they believe. Of course. But, you know, ladies, that's not, that's not always the truth. You know what? We know God. We do know. We are believers. We, we have accepted Christ. Yet sometimes we're drawn away. Something will distract us. Something will get in that little bit of the way of what it is, of who we are. It's a heavenly calling. And it comes from heaven, from God. And it's this heavenly calling because it invites us and it leads us to heaven, to where God is. The heavenly calling regards to, once again, just the need, the need that we have to have the word and we have to have that way. Keeping the word, knowing the word, should bring us comfort and peace and draw us closer to God because that's because ultimately we want to go home. But once again, ladies, it is the word. It is being in his word. It is studying his word. It is going through. It is knowing that book of Hebrews. So by the time you're done here, you'll know Hebrews. People will, you'll say Hebrews and all of a sudden things will start snapping. They'll share something. And you know what the thing is? If you've been, if you'll sit here through these studies and you'll be in that word, you'll know when something's not right. You'll know when you hear something, you're like, oh, wait. We didn't learn that. Been, I read the scriptures. I didn't read that. But that takes, that's only in that devotion, in that time that you spend. The word of God, it breaks through our resistance. And it holds us with the truth and the love of Christ. It reconciles us to God. And it leads us to heaven. Matthew six nineteen uh, through 21 says, this, Don't lay up yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up your treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart is also. Where's your heart? Our hope, you know, uh, ladies, uh, as we are people, we have a great hope, and our, and our great hope is going to get us to heaven. God has spoken. Well, I need to accept him as Lord and Savior, but uh, God has spoken from heaven and has made a way to heaven. And we, and as we believe this, we have that hope. We have that confidence. And the reason our hope and confidence are firm, it's not because of us and who we are, but it's because of what he's done. It's because of who he is. Our reason for hope and confidence are firm because of Jesus. But you know what? Like I said, we are saved by grace. And you know why? Because we're all sinners of every kind. Just like Moses, we're sinners. And you know what? We're sinners. We're, we're lying sinners. We're stealing sinners. We're parent disobeying sinners. We're sexual sinners. We're covetousness sinners. You know, we're self-righteous sinners. We're lustful sinners. Everyone. But the hope of the heavenly calling doesn't hang on our righteousness. And that's, that to me is enough. 
If it did, we'd be hopeless. Our hope and confidence hangs on Jesus. That's why in verse 1, it continues and says, Therefore, holy brothers, partakers of this heavenly calling, consider Jesus. That is what we need to do. That's what we should be doing. Consider Jesus. When, we ha- when, when something comes up, what is the first thought that pops into the mind? Oh, it's only this one time. Oh, you know, Lord, oh, forgive me. Or are we considering Jesus? Does he want me to do this? Is this the right thing? Should I be in this place? That's what we need to do. We need to consider Jesus. These, peop- the, these Hebrew Christians were looking to go back. And what, is, what does the writer tell them? Consider. Consider Jesus. That's what all this all is needs to be. Think about it. Mull over it. Chew on it. Meditate on it. Hebrews 12 uh, sheds light on, um, on the... Uh, Hebrews 12, it says, Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And and have you completely forgotten this word of encouragement that addresses you as the father addresses his son? It says, My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and don't lose heart when he rebukes you because the Lord disciplines the one he loves and he chastens everyone who accepts his son. So you know what? If the Lord is is kind of putting you through a tough time right now, don't harden your heart. Don't turn away. Sit through the discipline. Sit through it. Get through it. He loves you. You'll be well. Uh, We need to make sure that that's what we're doing. It's that heavenly calling. It's that's where we're going. And he loves you, and that's where he wants to go. So, yes, a little bit of discipline is is in there. Um, This is why, you know, that is what, you know, all of these studies uh, through this book of Hebrews, and, and as we start to consider and continue to just share about who Jesus is, over and over, week after week after week, that's when, when our confidence will, will grow. That's when we can be bold. And I love it. And, and that's one thing. I just, I love these small groups and, and just the boldness of the women. And I, I've sat through several years of women's study. And I remember having women who never said anything. And then all of a sudden, you just see the Lord. They start to share. And, and then they start to share somebody. And then somebody will say, oh, yeah, that's really good. And you see that confidence. And you see the Lord doing great and mighty and spectacular works in women and you don't even know how it blesses the other women so you know if the lord has put something on your heart i say you need to share it um and, it, and it's just it is amazing and i like i said that is just such a blessing we often think about uh considering jesus um we often think that in considering Jesus, that that's for, for unbelievers, right? You know, well, consider Jesus. Like if you were sharing with somebody, well, consider Jesus. Well, you know, you think, well, an unbeliever needs to consider Jesus. You know, we're believers, but, you know, we need to consider Jesus. We need to keep that to the, in that forefront of our minds. Um, we say to this, you know, that's what we need to say. We need to say, consider Jesus. We need to remember. That's what his word is saying. Believers. Consider me. Remember who I am. Don't forget. Don't lose heart. Uh, the book of Hebrews is devoted to, um, to vo- devoted to helping these Christians consider Jesus. Consider him. Um, and why? Why do we say that? Don't holy brethren automatically consider him? And I'm guessing if the question is, don't they? No, maybe not. I, I know oftentimes that's not the first thought. That's not my first consideration. Usually after I've blown it, I'm considering a lot. 
about who Jesus and what Jesus wants from me. That's usually when my consideration really heightens, you know. But is it first? No, I wish it was. I wish I could stand up here and say, oh, yeah, nope, I think about Jesus and what he would do and what he'd want. Not so, not so. So the reason we're considering is because it's not always the first thing. And uh, there was a warning back in Hebrews 2, 1, that we, may, that we must play, pay close attention to what we have heard lest we drift away. I'm certain Noreen shared on that. Why? Why did he tell us to pay that close attention? Because we can drift away. That's why. All of us have, have that ability to drift away. And it doesn't, it's not like, boom, there you are, you're gone. It's drifting, it's drifting, it's drifting. It's one little thing. It's not considering Jesus at this time. It's not considering Jesus for that. There's a constant danger that we will stop considering Jesus and become more interested in other things and drift away from his word. And so again and again, he's good. we're going to learn to consider Jesus in all of these different aspects. And, you know, and that's just so true. You know, we, we drift away because we stop thinking about Jesus. And that's what we have to do is stop, stop reading, you know, one or two days. Stop reading, you know, two or three or four days. And all of a sudden, it just comes an occasion. Oh, gosh, I need to get a word right now. And that's what, that's what we're seeking after. We need to remember it's got to be a daily thing. We've got to keep keep it on. Uh, we were watching a football game the other day. Well, my husband was watching a football game and um, it was, there's a t- Toyota commercial and it, it said, I don't know if you've seen it. It's got this car, this truck or whatever. And almost every other little thing pops up now, 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 now. And, and so a- after it like ended, he was like, he's like, wow, that really disturbed me. He said, everything was now. You know, we have a generation of what? What, is what we call uh, instant gratification, right? We want things instantly, right? Now we're constant gratification. We constantly need something. And I was thinking, you know, gosh, what if somebody can't afford that Toyota? And it says now. Go get it now. You need it now, by the way. If you didn't know, you need it now. Go get it now. But, and I just thought, wow. And so he was really disturbed about it. And I said, well, option B, turn the TV off. <laughs> That's not a tough one, right? There's always option B, turn the TV off. But you know what? And, and they're constantly going to feed us about what we want, 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 want. And now you don't even need any of that stuff because what do we need? Food, clothing, you know, shelter. We don't need a Toyota truck and we don't need it now especially. But anyway, um, you know, so turn off the TV if for some of you who need to turn it off. But you know what? Jesus is the way, the word, and, and he is the way. Jesus is the only answer to our needs. We need a word we need the word from God. We need a way. The way is God. And at the, at the point of the book of Hebrews, <clears throat> and Jesus is both. And that's what we've learned. Jesus is both of those to us. Verse 1 ends with two descriptions of Jesus. Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider Jesus. He is the apostle and the high priest of our confession. Twice in the book of Hebrews, the writer exhorts us um, to hold fast to our confession of faith. We're going to learn that in Hebrews 4.14 and in Hebrews 10.23. Lessons to come, so come back. John 14.6 says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is our apostle. Jesus is our high priest. The apostle meaning he is the one who was sent. So Jesus is the one sent from God to earth 
with the revelation of this heavenly calling. He's our high priest, which means he's the one who's the go-between. He offers a sacrifice so that we can be reconciled. And if if any of you even want to know if Jesus is sent from God, this is just a touch. John 3, 17, John 3, 34, John 5, 36, John 5, 38. John 6.20, John 6.57, John 7.29, John 8.42, John 8.36, and on and on. Look it up. There's many scriptures. Jesus was sent from God. There's no guess. 1 Timothy 2.5 says, For there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, and that's And that's the man, Christ Jesus. And he is that go-between. He is that high priest for us. He is who we need. So Jesus is our high priest. Look back. um, So if we look back to the verse in Hebrews 2.17, so we see this clearly. He says, Jesus had to be made like his brethren in all things, that he might become that merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God. He made propitiation for our sins that that great phrase to make propitiation means that he he made to make a sacrifice for our sins that brings God's anger to an end. He's not angry with us. He calls us friend. He made that way for us. Moses was a prophet who occasionally served as a high priest. Psalm 99.6 will tell them that. But he was never the high priest because that belonged to Aaron. So once again, he's sharing with them who Moses is and why Jesus is better than Moses. So every time, you know, they're like, you know, they hear the word, you know, priest. They're like, well, Moses was a priest, you know. But Jesus is the high priest. Um, In Hebrews 4.14, Jesus was called the high priest. Um, The writer says, um, You who share in the calling of God from heaven to heaven, you have great confidence that you have heard from God through the apostle, and you have great hope that you are going to God, loved and reconciled and secured. That's why Jesus came. That's where we're going. We're going to God, loved, reconciled, and secure. Uh, We only need to consider Jesus. Think about him. Meditate upon him. Listen to the word. I don't know. You know, there's times where I've read the word. And then, you know, I'll head out and, you know, something will happen and it's just like, oh, you know, once again, it's that when you fall, you're like, oh, man, the word said. It's not considering first what I read. It's not considering all day the things that the Lord has shown me. It's allowing my own little thoughts and my own little ways to kind of creep in. And, and then that's when all of a sudden, you know, it, it's quick. Down I go. Um, it's important. Uh, I know, I know, you know, I, I'm out and I work during the day and, and there's sometimes when I think, you know, I know what I'm doing. I know who I am. I'm, I'm pretty sure of what I'm doing, you know, and somebody will try to tell you something. You're like, no, I know that that's, you know, but it's, how am I going to react to them? What am I going to say to them? You know, cause the first thing what I want to say is, no, you're wrong. But it, how is that a witness for God? You know, and, and so I need to always remember, you know, Lord, I'm representing you. Lord, I'm representing you. I don't always succeed. But I need to remember that, Lord, I'm rep- representing you. You know, and when you have to go back and be humbled, ugh, humble pie is not the best tasting pie out there. Um, I much prefer berry, but, you know, that's just it. We, we really need to, to remember we are representing the Lord. Um, and, and he is our high priest um, the whole book of Hebrews is written to help consider God. There's more to consider about Jesus than we could even exhaust in this lifetime. This study probably could have gone on for about 10 years, I imagine, you know, um, if we just really wanted to do an exhaustive study. 
In chapter 1, at this point, we've already learned, like I said, that Jesus is superior to the angels, that Jesus made a way, um, Jesus made and sustains the world in, in 1, 1 and 2 and 10. And, and the angels, they run errands in verses 1 through 14. In chapter 2, we learn that Jesus takes on the human flesh and fulfills the hope of Psalms 8 for all of his people. And um, as we just continue, he was appointed um, he was appointed and, and God appointed him over the works of your hands. You have put all things under subjection, subjection uh, under his feet. This is all for Jesus. At this point, at every stage in this book, we'll learn to, about Jesus. We'll learn to consider Jesus. We'll ponder him. We need to fix our eyes on him, though, ladies. We need to fix our eyes. I don't know where your eyes are fixed, you know, but... Um, you know, the Lord wants us to fix our eyes on him. He wants us to stop fixing on what we're fixing and start fixing on him. You know, what we should, what we should consider from Jesus um, in, the, in the verses uh, 1 through 6, consider his superiority over Moses. Think about this. Ponder it. Focus. Let this be the focus of what we're thinking. Because as we consider this, and, and in our consideration, remembering it's that heavenly calling it will make us stronger. It will build our strength. It will give us that boldness. Uh, Philippians 1, it, Paul tells the Philippians that there he was in prisons. And what was happening while he was in prison? The furthering of the gospel. And he says it is because it, it has become evident to the whole palace guard and to all that his chains are in Christ. I hope I'm just a teeny glimpse of that. I hope that if I'm out there, people see, you know, wow, you know, that, that's for the Lord. Wow, Lorraine, you know, she must be serving the Lord. She, there must be a little bit something different. And I hope that. I hope that people see that there is a difference. Because that's what I want to do. I want to represent the Lord. Because when I represent Lorraine, it's pretty ugly most of the time. It really is. It's not pretty, I have to say. Even though sometimes I think I am it. I ain't. <laughs> so, you know, the Lord, the Lord's great. He's, you know, he puts me exactly where I need to go. Are you bold in your faith? Are you confident in Jesus? Are you living a life that others see that? Um, you know, verse 2, um, verse 2 introduces the comparison that shows that both Jesus and Moses were faithful in God's house, um, which is the picture of God's people. So it's not really the actual house, but, you know, the picture of, of Moses and his faithfulness. And, of course, Jesus, um, he says, Jesus was faithful to him, God the Father, who appointed him, as Moses was in, in his house. Moses was, faith, was faithful in the house of God. And the writer is quoting from Numbers 12, 6 through 8. And that's where God says that um, here's the prophet among you. If there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, shall make myself known to him in a vision. I shall speak with him in a dream, but not so with my servant Moses, for he is faithful in all of the household. And with him I speak mouth to mouth, even openly, and not in dark saying, and he beholds the form of the Lord. These people knew that God spoke to Moses. They knew that. So as we consider this, and, and now he's trying to, to have them consider Jesus and his superior over Moses, it says that, he has, um, that Jesus had been counted worthy of more glory than Moses, but just so much as the builder of a house has more honor than the house. 
And I was sharing with Lily, it's like, you know, that, you know, if you've ever gone to those new homes and you go and you're like, man, they're beautiful. If you've ever gone to new homes, they are absolutely beautiful. And never once until this really made a lot of sense of like, wow, I never say like, wow, the builder, what insight. I never go back to the builder. You look at the house. You know, that, that's what you look at. You don't, you know, car makers. You know, when you see a car on the road that you're like, wow, I really like that car, you know, you don't think like, oh, well, you know, whoever the, the car maker is, look what they've done. You, you see things and that's how we are. We see these things and, and we think immediately, that is so cool. We don't think about where it comes from or who the maker or who the builder is. Um, verse, verse three says that Jesus is worthy of more glory than Moses in relation to God's house because Jesus is the builder of the house and Moses is part of the house. Look at it carefully. It says Jesus has been counted worthy of more glory. Jesus is once again to the people of God as the builder is that house. Jesus, um, Jesus, it says Moses was, uh, was to the people uh, of God as one of the people of God in his household. Jesus is Moses's builder. So in short, bottom line is Jesus made Moses, right? Jesus, our apostle and high priest, he is the one who brought you to this calling. And so that kind of also made me, it started to make me think too, um, you know, as, um, as, as we just kind of keep, as I kept, you know, I just all of a sudden, like said, these things come, come to my mind while I was doing my study. Um, but, but Jesus made Moses and we know that. And so I started to think about, you know, once again, um, you people, I, there was this commercial and it shows like, oh, like these athletes and they're talking about who's better than who. And I remember back in the day, Bo Jackson was it, you know, and then another one comes around and somebody's it. And now they've got these new guys. I'm not really sure where it is, but there's this commercial and he's like on his phone saying how great he is, how great he is. And so I started to think about, could you imagine if they were all in the locker room? And I mean, you can only imagine in a locker room, all the testosterone and how great all of them think they are and how much better each of them think they are. And could you imagine if they're all sitting, you were, you know, they're all sitting there and then, you know, Jesus is in there. And if somebody locked over and says, so Jesus, which one of us is the greatest? Really? Come on, which one? And he's like, well, I made you all. So I guess I'm the greatest. <laughs> right? I mean, that's exactly, lady, that's where we're at today. That's where we are. Jesus made us. If we have any confidence, um, it needs to be in Jesus. We know that he's forgiven us for our sins and that we, and if we persevere in the faith, uh, we are going to attain that heavenly calling. But this confidence really depends you know, it, our confidence is dependent on Jesus. It's not on us. The greater and more glorious he is, the greater our hope and our confidence is. The, um, every house is built by somebody, like, like the word says, but the builder of all things is God. And that's what the word tells us. So you know what? Go ahead and say what you want, but the builder is God. Point everybody right back to the word. Go right to Hebrews. And when, whenever you can, you, whenever, because we'll have that question pop up and we'll be like, wait, we had a study. The builder's God. The builder's God. It's in Hebrews. It's in Hebrews chapter 3. Point them back. Go back there. Jesus made the house of God. He's the maker of all things. The conclusion is that Jesus, the Son of God, is God, and that's just how great he is. The, um, the word of our apostle is a sure word because it's the word carried by God himself. The atoning work of our high priest on the cross is the finished and all-sufficient work because, it's, uh, because of its infinite value as the work of God himself. In verses 5 and 6, now Moses was faithful in all the houses, the servant, um, for a testimony of the things which were spoken later, but Christ was faithful as the son over the house. Moses was that servant. And, when, you know, the writer's not just saying, oh, well, you know, he's not 
not put Moses down, but he's just letting them know the superiority of Jesus, the better Jesus. Consider this Jesus. Get your mind off of where it, it doesn't need to be, and let's put it where, where it needs to be. The writer of Hebrews, you know, is wanting them to understand. He, he wants to grab them back. Come back. Come back. And so even, even tonight, you know, we all sit here, and not everybody here is sold out for the Lord. You know, not everybody here may even if has accepted Lord. I came to women's stu- to my first women's studies. I hadn't accepted Jesus yet, but I knew I wanted to know Jesus. I knew that I wanted to know more about what was going on. I knew that when I was in a small group, I didn't answer because I didn't even know what I was doing. But I did the homework. I didn't know if it was right, but I did know that I wanted to know Jesus. But, you know, so they came up to you and, and you teach and you think, oh, yeah, you know, everybody sold out, everybody. But we don't know that for sure. So, you know, he's grasping them. He's pulling them back. So tonight you might be sitting here. And you, there might be, you might be thinking there's alternative ways. You might be thinking somebody else is a better way. Something is a better way. The book of Hebrews is going to teach us it's not Jesus. Jesus is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. It is the better. Um, let's apply the superiority um, of Jesus. Let, us, let that be what we always consider. Um, in verse 6, it says, Christ was faithful as a son over his house whose house we are, if we hold fast to this confidence and boast of our hope firm until the end. Jesus, our maker, our owner, our ruler, he's our provider, he's, uh, he's the son, we're the servants, we are his household. Moses is the one with us in the house. Moses, like us, he's one of us in the household, and he's our fellow servant, um, he, you know, through his prophetic ministry. But Jesus is our maker, he's our owner. He's the ruler. He's our provider. Uh, the next, uh, the text concludes that by saying that we're the house, that we're the people, we're the partakers of this heavenly calling. We just need to hold fast our confidence and then boast of our hope firm until the end. And that's just it. The only thing I can say is, you know, I, I, you know, I want to head to heaven. I want to go to heaven. I want to see my mom in heaven. That's my goal. My goal is heaven. My goal is not what's going to distract me. And my goal is not what, what can pull me. And the older I get, the cool thing, the older I get, I really see the less that I need any of that. I don't care if I drive a fancy car. I don't care if I live in a fancy house. I don't care if I wear fancy clothes. And most of you know I wear sweatshirt and T-shirt. So, you know, that's, that's as fancy as I, you know, this is about as fancy as it gets. But uh, that's about as fancy as it gets. But, you know, the older I get, it doesn't matter. And I'm thankful to the Lord for that. You know, but that may not always be the case. Maybe the older you're getting, maybe things aren't being answered. Maybe you don't see that. Maybe you're thinking, oh, it was better when I was out in the world. It was better when I did this. It's not. It's not. Jesus is better. Hang in there. Hang tight. Come back. Consider Jesus. Next time you have that thought, consider Jesus. Um, the evidence that we are part of his household, uh, part of the household of God is that we don't throw away our hope. Hebrews 10.35 says, don't throw away your confidence, which has a great re- reward. Don't drift into indifference. Don't drift in unbelief, ladies. Proverbs 14.4 says, the backslider in heart will be filled with his own ways, but a good man will be satisfied above all. If you're thinking about sleeping, slipping back, there's no benefit. We are, uh, what we are hoping, what are we hoping in this evening? What is your, what are you looking for, for confidence in yourself? Where's your confidence lie? Is it you? Maybe it's your investments. Maybe it's your workout sessions. Maybe it's hard work. Maybe it's just plain plum luck. 
Flip a coin. Let's see what happens. Do I do? What is it? What is it that, that has you? What is it that you're pondering? What is it that you consider? And that's what I think about a lot. What do we consider? And, and I love it when sometimes when people will say, because I'm, you know, and I'll think, it's like, what are you thinking about? And, you know, it's like, wow, what am I thinking about? <laughs> you know? And so it's really, you know, kind of tough, you know, like, oh, goodness. Okay, let's keep going on. Our hope should lie in Jesus, a hope that produces confidence and boasting. The word of God this evening is consider Jesus and hope in him. In verses 7 through 15, um, ladies, we're going to kind of uh, fly through this. It's a quote, and uh, he's quoting from Psalms 95, 7 through 11. Um, and he says, therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, not to harden their hearts. He says, if you hear, don't harden your heart. He reminds them of the forefathers. Um, don't harden your hearts as in rebellion in the days of trial in the wilderness where your fathers tested me. They tried me. They saw my works for 40 years. And he says he was angry with them and with that generation and said, they always go astray in their hearts, and they have not known my ways. So I swore my wrath, they should not enter his rest. Don't harden your hearts, lady. If those, who, um, if those who were following Jesus were responsible to surrender, trust, and persevere in following God's leader, how much more are we responsible to do the same with our great leader? And that is Jesus. And I think about it. For 40 years, you know, uh, in Exodus, you know, um, talks about Pharaoh hardening his heart. The Lord says, I'm going to harden it. I'm going to harden it. And finally, in Exodus 8, it says, Pharaoh hardened his heart. Just like the Lord said, we need to not harden our heart. Um, you know, when I think about a leader, I, whenever it's instantaneously, when I think about a leader, I think I'm following the leader, the leader, the leader, following the leader, wherever he may go. T-dum, T-D, T-diddly, dum day. Yes, Jesus. That's what I hope that I'm following. I hope that I'm a leader, and if anybody's following, that's what they see as Jesus and not Lorraine. But that's what I think about. Who's the leader? Who's your leader? Who are you following? What are you looking for? Uh, we need to remember that he, he's just reminding them of where they were. None of them made it into the promised land. If you, if, if, uh, you, they, the children of the, and he brought them out of Egypt, brought them out of slavery. They were out in the wilderness, 11-day journey, 11 days. How many years, ladies? How many made it into the promised land? Two. Two, that's right. So if you think about it, all those people traveling, traveling, traveling. There we go. They didn't make it into that promised land. Two did. That's like us. Hopefully, who's ever following us will know and see that, it's, that, that that's where we're going. We're going to heaven. We need to not, need to not harden our hearts. Don't be in rebellion. Don't go astray. Don't let your heart go a wishy-washy, consider Jesus. Um, the, um, the day of the trial and in the rebellion was when they were in Mirbah, and Moses was told to do what? What? Speak to the rock, right? And what did Moses do? Struck the rock, yeah, misrepresentation. But that's what, when, he, when he's talking to them. So they're well aware of the verses that he's talking. They're well aware of the text, the context in which, he, which the writer is, is, is leading them to why? Because they knew. They knew. And they did not, says, God did not accept their unbelief and condemn that generation to unbelief to die in the wilderness. It's in Numbers 14, 22 and 23, 28 to 32. So if you have time, read the story. If you haven't read, you know, read it. You know, you almost want to say, reread the scrolls, people. Reread them. Bring them out. That's like us. You can never exhaust the Bible. 
You can never go through the book more times than you don't know because you're going to learn something. You're going to know. You're going to have knowledge. You're going to be able to share. He says they saw his good works for 40 years, but because of their unbelief, the people of Israel faced judgment. The warning is the, the Hebrew. The warning in Hebrews was written about 40 years after the Jews' initial rejection of Jesus. God's wrath was quick coming upon them who rejected him. And we don't want that to happen. He was angry with that generation, and so he, he was kindled against them on account of their unbelief. You know, no, we can't do it. There's giants. There's giants. There's giants, ladies. You don't see the giant. See the confidence in Jesus. Be the, be the one of the two. Be one of the two that enter in. Don't see the giant. And you know what? If you see a giant, he's this big compared to your God. Your God is so much greater than that. Look to him for your help. Look to him to sustain you. Uh, they refused to trust God for great things that he had promised, and they were unwilling to persist in that trust. Let that not happen to us. Um, in verses 12, it says, he tells them to beware lest there is any evil in their heart of unbelief and departing from the living God. But you know what I love? He says, exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you harden through deceitful sin. We have become partakers of Christ if we hold to the beginning of our confidence steadfast till the end. Ladies, we need to exhort one another. And I think that that is so cute. And I know that I need to exhort more. I need to be exhorted, but I need to exhort more. And that's the one thing that I really believe the Lord has shown me, that exhortation. We need to build each other up. We need to, to make sure that if somebody, you know, somebody's telling us something and we know that it's not the right way, we need to exhort them to come back. We need to encourage them. We need to be aware that we're not like the generation that perished in the wilderness. Um, and, and that we're, we don't have that unbelieving, those, that evil heart. It's strong language. We need to take heed. One can, one can truly believe God. Yet, you know what? We can occasionally doubt. Occasionally we have those doubts. Things come in our minds. We are as, you know, it just happens. I don't say we're creepy, but, you know, our minds, it just doubts come in. Unbelief start to happen. We got to make sure that we, you know, got to let that go. We got to believe to really what it is that, the, that God, we need to consider Jesus. Exhort one another daily. Strengthen each other in our faith. Um, avoid running into that unbelief. And, ladies, if you have that, reach out. I think that's the biggest thing that we don't do. Reach out. You have group leaders. You have other women in, in your small groups. You, you know, there's, you've got leaders here. You've got incredible women uh, up here who would love to pray for you. But reach out. It's really it's, it's important. It's serious. We need to take our own responsibility to do that, to make sure that we are exhorting. Um, and in the very end, we're not to harden our hearts. And in the last couple of verses, 16 to 19, it says, It wasn't enough to have that good beginning. He says, for having heard, uh, those that already heard, they already rebelled. Indeed, it was not all who came out of Egypt led by Jesus. Now, um, to whom he was angry for those 40 years. Don't forget, two made it in. For, for who, having heard, rebelled as the nation Israel made their good beginning? After all, it took a lot of faith to cross that Red Sea, didn't it? That's pretty, that's pretty good. 
Yet all the first generation perished in the wilderness, except for the two, like I said, Joshua and Caleb, as you all know. Uh, they wouldn't be able to enter the, um, the, the rest of the Lord. Um, Eleven times in, the Hebrew, in Hebrews chapters 3 and 4, Hebrews speaks of entering rest. We're going to learn that. The rest will be deeply detailed in our next study. Um, so we can see... Um, that they could not enter the rest because of their unbelief. One might be tempted to think that the key to entering rest is obedience. But you know what? Verse 3.18 says, To whom did he swear they would not enter rest, but to those who did not obey? Disobedience mentioned in 3.18 is not the outgrowth of the unbelief. Mentioned in 3.19, it's the unbelief came in and then the obedience. In the New Testament context, our belief centers on the superiority of Jesus, the truth of who he is, fully God, fully man, and his atoning work for us as a faithful high priest. When we trust in these things, making them as food for our souls, we enter into that rest. Israel failed to persevere in faith. After crossing through that wilderness and and, and, uh, after crossing much of the wilderness, trusting in God because they got to see his works. And after seeing so many reasons to trust him, they ended up falling short because they didn't persevere. And that's just it. We need to persevere. We've started. You know, ladies, we start out with hundreds of ladies in the beginning and towards the end. You know, we are few, but we are strong. Persevere, ladies. I I tell you, we hear several times, oh, I, I start, but I don't finish. I start. Ladies, as Donna said, plan, purpose, pray, persevere, come, be here. Um, be, let's just uh, remember that we need to not look back, but we need to look at, at what we can't change. But let's look forward to what we can change, and let's see the changes that can be made. Let's keep our eyes fixed on Jesus and what he's done, and let's consider Jesus in all that he is. And somebody sent me this, and I love it. It says, do more of what makes you happy. But then they but it's scratched out, it says, Holy. That should be really great. That's what we need to do. Not what makes us happy, what makes us holy. Let us consider Jesus and his ways. Let's pray.